what? Why are you doing that thing? And, and without, not so much judgment, but just like, huh, nobody else does that. And then it became this theme of like, you do, you're, you're different. And, you know, it wasn't always with judgment, but different is not good when you're trying to belong. Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today we are joined by April Cunningham, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, health and life coach, also known as The Influencer. Lisa Carter, founder of Kinetic Fitness, also known as The Balancer. Welcome back to our consideration of the things that are stealing our joy, blocking our happiness, and preventing our positive habit changes from sticking. This is part two of our discussion on shame. My one of my shame triggers is um, I'm I'm a firstborn, <laughs> um, and I have a shame trigger. That's not the only reason, um, but I have a shame trigger around being perceived as bossy. Because you're the oldest. Because I am often the leader, even when I don't make a conscious choice to be. And. I don't say that with any arrogance. I'm happy to give someone else the leadership of whatever, whatever room I'm in, I'm happy to give leadership, but it turns out that it ends up being, in many rooms, not every room, it turns out that I am the natural leader that emerges and I'm afraid of being perceived as bossy. Um, And I go out of my way to disarm people, to let them know I am not, I don't need to tell you what to do. You are very capable of this. Um, And it starts, it started very young started with family. Um, And so for me to be perceived as bossy is to make me shrink. And I'll just say, okay. Literally hands open and I shrink into the wall. Um, It is very hard for me. Um, And it's, of course I have the same sense like everybody, everybody wants safety, love and belonging. Food can make us feel like we don't belong. And the dinner table can be a very unsafe place if we don't belong. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a question of like, are we loved? It doesn't sound all that linear. But if my grandmother says to me, why can't you eat? All of a sudden you can't eat my food. Then I'll be like, "Uh, I don't want to lose belonging. But I also don't want her to feel like I don't love her. Yeah. And those things can compound to make it a shameful experience to down at the dinner table if we, or any table at any time of day, um, if we're not comfortable with who we are and, 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 and in touch with the fact that, oh, there's a shame here. That doesn't have to be, but we have to expose it. Mm-hmm. I have uh, two shame triggers. My first one is kind of opposite of Jen. I've always been like super teeny tiny, so people assume I don't eat. So then when I don't eat, people are like, that's why you're so skinny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not true, people. Not true. Just genetics. Um, So that was like the first one. But the second one is actually because of where I grew up, um, just the way that I speak and the way that I do different things. People would always just be like, you're different. Like, you're not your typical, like, D.C. girl. Um, And so when I talk about eating different or whatever, it's just... Another thing that makes me like, oh, you think you're, oh, you're special. Oh, I get it. You only eat vegetables. That's how you stay so skinny. Like, you know, it's like a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So just wanting, I feel like I ate very poorly for a good portion of my life just because I wanted to show people like, I can eat greens and like, I don't mind eating chitlins. Like, mm. I'm like a DC girl. Like, not really though. But now at this age, I feel like, I don't care what you think. Like, it is what it is. But I feel like that was a hard one for me for a long time was feeling like um, people always, people, not always, but perceive me to, it's their own projection that I feel like I'm better based on the choices that I'm making. And even though that's not the case, I do feel the need to dumb myself down and say, like, I can get on your level. Like, not the word. <laughs> like I can, I can, like. I'm down. I'm yeah, cool. I'm like, yeah, I'm like one of those cool girls. Kids. Yeah. I'm not one of those girls. Yeah. So yeah. I'm cool with it. That's, that's, we share that. Similar, mm-hmm. not, not because, uh, not because of weight, but um, I've, I've never, you know, I'm a person of color, American black. Uh, and. Um, what? both sides of my family and a lot of my socialist group when I was growing up. And I always felt like I wasn't quite fitting in. Yeah. I don't, no, eat, my, my biology doesn't fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, naturally, my biology doesn't fit in. And then the way I think is very off to the left a little bit. So I always felt like even in my socials, my mom would just be like, mm, what, why are you doing that thing? And, and without, not so much judgment, but just like, huh. Nobody else does that. And then it became this theme of like, you do, you're, you're different. And, you know, it wasn't always with judgment, but different is not good when you're trying to belong. Um, yeah. And I had a shame trigger for a long time about not belonging until mm-hmm. I stepped up to it and owned it and just said, hey, you know what? I am different. Um, and it doesn't make me better. It doesn't make you better. We're just different. Can we can we find a way to still there we're still we're still both human though. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can still manage to find love and belonging and safety and an opportunity a way to work together um, and to coexist. A book that I do actually recommend people read, it is a long book, but it's a really good book on that topic is uh, called Far from the Tree. I don't remember who the author is. Um, but it talks about just that. Like You know, the saying is that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but what happens when it does? (laughs) When the people around you are not like you, when you're the anomaly, you know, in your family and how the book is interesting. It actually comes from both perspectives, how you as the person that's quote unquote different can adjust, but also how the people who love you can just embrace you for who you are. It is a very lengthy book, but it was really, really good. Adding um, that to my Amazon playlist right really, now. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, we'll this, link to it in the show notes. Yeah, the guy talks about, you know, just being different and embracing that. It's especially hard with family because mm-hmm. we have this thinking that because we are share blood, air quote, that we should be the same. And in my experience and in the experience of other people that I've coached and people that I know personally, that is a that is a socially constructed expectation that may or may not be true. Mm-hmm. He actually says in his book, um, Far From the Tree, that, uh, you know, we say when we have kids, we're reproducing. He's like, but really that term is all wrong because to reproduce means that you are 
producing something that already existed. When really, like when copy. two people come together, you are making something completely different, right? And yet when parents have kids, they're like looking for like, oh, she's like me or oh, he's like me. It's like, no, you've created, you have not reproduced either one of you guys. What you've made is something completely different. And we need to address people in that way. You're not me. You're not him. You're you. And how do we embrace that? And I thought I that was that. a really interesting point from the book. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as I, I sit here thinking about my shame trigger, it's actually very closely aligned to my sense of shame. So in a word, I would say that mine is laziness. So growing up, you know, I, I did really well in school. Um, it came relatively easy, easy to me. But my father kind of drilled in me this idea that Someone else may have more talent. They may be smarter than you. They may have better connections. But they should never outwork you. So just work as hard as you can, and you have half a shot. You know? And so the sense of don't ever lose because you didn't try hard enough, um, and the sense of laziness has definitely dominated my life. And I think it's why my hysterectomy and kind of the ensuing both emotional and physical challenges uh, really shook me um, because I felt lazy. I could no longer just push and work harder than anybody else. Um, And my success, you know, I guess financially my success suffered a little bit because of it, but really more than that, my my attitude about who I am and my identity suffered as a result, so. Yeah, and you're not alone in that. I mean, um, Brene Brown, the author of the, power of vulnerability or the yeah author i guess i can say she talks about that right she's she's some, some people are raised with that and and that's yeah. not a herself, color thing right, right? Was yeah, it herself? No, no. yeah yeah she, she was talks about yeah, that from... being pregnant and having all sorts of issues and like pulling out her laptop and her husband's <laughs> yeah. like what are you doing we're not gonna do we're not gonna do that that's what we're not gonna do wait you are pregnant she was on bed rest she, yeah she, she was having like a rest. really yeah. really traumatic yeah, and she talked Pregnancy about moment, yeah. being sick and how yeah. this idea of being lazy it. was part of... It was a shame. And yeah. she's like trying to finish grad school and right. like, right. you know, all these right. things, yeah. Which is funny, though, because I do feel like, and this is true in the case of Jen, where people who perceive themselves as lazy, I'm like... They're never lazy. The hardest working person I know. Mm-hmm. She does more before I get out of bed this is like no lie. Before I get out of bed, she's done more than, you know, I'll probably do all day, you right. know? <laughs> Gotta get up early and check off those tasks. But so it's funny to me, or not funny, but it's interesting to me to hear you kind of quantify yourself as lazy because that's not. Well, that's, that's the thing she's she's afraid, I'm afraid of. of. Oh, you're afraid yeah. So she's of. always hustling to prove that I'm she's not lazy. Not lazy mm-hmm. Even when there's no one to say. It, it's all the, it's the internal monologue, yeah. right? I don't want to be lazy, so I'm going to make sure that I, I work harder than anybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, like basically, you could be smarter than me. You could have more natural ability. You can have better connections, but you will not outwork me. I, I, because that's the really the only thing that I can control. You know, in this equation of... You know, if it's me against you in any situation, that's the thing that I have the greatest ability to impact. There's one thing we haven't touched on with the book, which is it's really we, we talk the book touches on or the piece talks on shame and guilt and and but leading with the idea of what contributes to wholeheartedness mm-hmm. in a person's life. Yeah. 
And shame is one of the chief things that does not contribute to wholeheartedness, that this hustling for worthiness to prove that we're worthy, to prove that, in, to, to, to stay ahead of our shame trigger um, creates all kinds of behaviors that, and, and shame leads to addiction. She talked about the, the, the re- correlation between shame, addiction, anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and those obviously things are not things that are wholehearted. Um, and and, Leela and I, Lisa and I talked about this, that um, what she mentioned is that people who, from her research, people who are wholeheartedly, who, who are wholehearted, goof off a lot. They play, yeah. Mm-hmm. They dance. They seem to be doing nothing. They meditate. Like, and, and so there's this idea in our culture that you need to, you know, Jen, you're not alone, right? Yeah. There's this idea that you need to be working harder and you need to be, you know, always doing something. Easy. I think she said she could send three out, three emails at a stop at a red, light, a red yeah. light or something yeah. like that. Um, and I thought to myself, oh my God, I could never live at that clip. Like I, I absolutely, I'm that person. I have to meditate. I have to meditate. I do, I do my prayer. I do my, you know, like in the morning and I could probably do that all morning every day. Cause that's just how recharging it is for me. Of course I'm an introvert. Right. But, but there's this idea that, yeah, everybody's hustling for their worthiness to stay ahead of their shame trigger. Mm-hmm. And it shows up in food and it shows up in our habit change. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's so important to add that component when we talk about changing our diets. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, I know for myself when I was listening to the We'll call it a book. It's an audio book. When she was describing the people of the wholehearted, I was like, ah! Totally me. I take nothing seriously. I'm goofing off all the time. I always say, like, weakest link, weakest link on the team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not That's really, funny. but uh, but yeah, I do feel like in order for for me, to, I find that I'm more productive. So like, I have a TV at my house. I never turn my TV on. Yeah. Honestly, like. My mom comes to visit in November. When she comes back in February, the station is still where she left it because I find that I spend my time looking out of the window, actually, and I can look out the window all day. My cat, I used to have cats, and my cats used to do it, and I find myself looking out the window with the cats. Um, But once I'm done, I do feel creative and energized and, like, ready to go. So when I sit down to do something, yeah, I can knock it out, um, but I'm also okay to do nothing. And I do think that, that for someone uh, like Jen, right? That sitting around and doing nothing, you <gasps> would perceive, right? It's like lazy time. I could be doing. I used no. to only watch TV if I was also folding laundry or <laughs> sorting my mail or cutting coupons. I had to like be multitasking in order to feel like it's okay that I'm watching TV. And it's she talks terrible. about this, right? right. Like, uh, what'd she say? Like busy, busy oh, resting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, she's, she talks about her kids. She's like, no, my kid, my husband and my kids are, like, watching TV and playing. And I'm, like, resting in my pajamas, but also doing laundry and also doing the dishes and also doing that. Also, mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes uh, we as women tend to be that way because we feel like there's so many things that we could be doing. But they'll get done or they won't. Yeah. What I find is that it drains me to be in that state of, like, busyness. Um and as an entrepreneur, I, I, I work really hard to quarantine that morning time for my creative uh, and energetic recharge. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the most important thing I need to get done today? That is the thing I'm going to do. Or mm-hmm. top two or three, but no more than three in a single day. Otherwise, I'm going to be drained. Um, and, you know, 
it's counterintuitive to how we're taught. Even in the workplace, in the workplace, it's like get it done. What's your dead? The deadline is often laid down before you know what you're building. Yeah. <laughs> or what it will take to get get it accomplished. Yeah. yeah. Can you get it done by in six weeks? Wait, what are we doing, what are we doing in six weeks? <laughs> 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 Let's talk huh? about that what? first. Yeah. A couple other things um, based on what you were saying. So the thing I, that really stuck out to me, because I don't have the same attitude towards um, goofing off that you do. She mentions that the opposite of play is not work. It's depression. And that we have this, that there's this exhaustion merit badge that as adults in an American society, we're all trying to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of us trying to get it multiple times over. Like, I'm so tired, I'm so busy. Um, and I actually am, am now conditioned myself to, to listen to when people say that. Are they actually busy or are they trying to prove that they are working hard? Yeah. Um, because I, they're not the same thing. But I think we've become accustomed to dealing with it that way. I don't want it. There's a podcast that I, <laughs> I don't want to be tired and busy. busy all the time. I be balanced. And I feel better rested. when there is space yeah. to spread out and there's space for me to just, you know, let my mind wander. Yeah. There's a podcast that I enjoy sometimes, again, because I'm a little bit of a nerd. It's called Planet Money. And it's not really about money. It's not really about economics, but it explores various topics from like an economic perspective. But one episode dealt with, um, well, it doesn't matter. But anyway, out of it, I got this term, non-functional slack fill. <laughs> and I actually have said this all the, all the yes, time now, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. yep. <laughs> so, so slack fill is like the amount of air or space that's in generally food items. A bag of chips. Exactly. It makes me mad. So the bag of chips actually has <laughs> functional slack fill. It keeps the chips from crushing or getting damaged in transport. But a lot of things have non-functional slack fill, and it's actually against the law to incorporate that into an item that you're selling on the open market. And so, but I, I took from it the idea that you should have like nothing time built into your day, like non-functional slack fill, like just space for the sake of space that has no other purpose. Not, I need a little extra time to get to that meeting. I need to account for traffic. No, just space for the sake of space. And it is very, very difficult. Looking out the window. If your shame <laughs> trigger is the opposite of it, it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I hate to make, I feel like I'm talking a lot about my weight, but maybe, uh, maybe I need that. Maybe it's therapeutic, but <laughs> I, I was thinking about this whole sense of like laziness and food and weight and how like, at least in the mind of, of an overweight person, and I'm guessing people who aren't overweight, they look at people who are big and they're like, well, they should just try harder and that they wouldn't have that problem. Um, and I know that there are plus size models that have um, healthy followings, I'll say, on social media. And I think that there are some great discussions on how to love yourself and accept that you are the size that you are and that, um, you know, hating yourself or being ashamed of your body will only um, cause you to potentially, like you said, the thing that you resist persists. Um, that, so, that, so trying to change your mindset to, to accept who you are and love yourself for who you are today, not who you wish you were or who you used to be. Um, but I had a situ- I had an experience that I wrote about for our website um, where I was in the gym trying to, in my mind, improve myself. And, and you know, I'm, 
I'm in a gym and a hotel on travel after a pretty chaotic travel day the night before um, and a stressful morning and having meetings with customers that day. But I'm taking out the time, right? I am creating, this is not non, non-functional slack bill. This is actually time that I've set aside to address my health. And I go to the gym and this guy basically is like, you know why you're fat? He doesn't say, you know why you're fat, but he approaches me in such a manner that it's like, this is like, you're responsible for your weight and you should do something different. And do you even understand what you're doing? And, you know, what's, you know, are you sure that you have the right goals? And I, I went back and, a, and a, um, kind of confronted him after he gave me a book about, you know, personal responsibility related to size, I guess it was. Um, and he started crying, you know, and, and I feel like he really was coming from a place of, sincere concern that he had faced whatever he had faced and he wanted to try to help and share with other people. But the effect it had on me was, it doesn't matter what you do. Like there is no safe place. And, and even if you are in the, in, the, in the process of trying to improve yourself, there are people who are going to make you feel bad about who you are. If you let them. Right. And I, 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 wanted, I want to just jump in there because, yes, acknowledging feelings, right? What he did was rather insensitive. Intentional or non-intentional, it was insensitive and he hurt you. At the same time, there's the, the having the shame happened right for you. Yep. And again, I think it's telling like the book, speaking it helps to speaking the shame helps to uncover. You know what? This made me feel bad. This was shame. Now, once it's spoken, now you can take power back over it. And, and, and I realize that's easier said than done and, and all that. But, you know, when you told me the experience, I was just like, what's his number? <laughs> Did you, you know him? Was he on a business trip? Does he work for the same company that will not be named? I mean, yeah. Just need a photo. So, so <laughs> Google it. So I think that the, the, I think it's interesting as we're having this conversation about shame, a couple of things occurred to me that, you know, when you're a person of size and you go to a gym, you already feel like you don't belong. Mm. And then the idea of like, well, what are you doing here? And you're not one of us. And it's like, but I want to be one of you. Like, I, like, I'm trying, like, give me, give me a shot here. And then for somebody to make you feel like, yeah, you're not doing this right. It just like reinforces all of these bad things that you feel about yourself. And I mean, I, I think I wrote in my piece how in the previous month, you know, I, I had not missed a workout. I think five days a week. I was maybe six days a week in some instances. I was hitting all my workouts. But here I, I get to this situation and it's like I just plummeted, you know, and I think I probably went to the gym like twice in the next three weeks after that because it just made me feel so bad, like. Like, I'm never going to fit in. I'm never going to belong. I'm never going to be one of them. We said this in, like, our... What was it? Poop. The, uh, the When we talked about the, uh, the mm. uh, plant-based potty habits. There you go. Plant-based potty habits. But we were talking about this because I remember we were talking about the poopery spray. We were talking about being at the, like, airport. I don't know why. Oh, I do have a shame trigger about using the bathroom <laughs> in public. <laughs> Uh, Since we're talking about shame triggers, I do have one about that. Mm-hmm. No, but it, um, speaking to Jen's point, like, I don't have a shame trigger about one another. Nope. Because this is the point. <laughs> Better out than in. Where else you gonna go to the bathroom? <laughs> Besides in the bathroom, you know? And so that's what 
I'm thinking about what Jen is saying. It's like, where else is a person to go to get healthy besides the gym? So, you know. <laughs> Did you notice how she slipped into her um, her ethnic vernacular just now? Yeah. Where else you want to go? Where else? Uh-huh. Where else? <laughs> it got a little countryness on it, even though I have never <laughs> lived in the country. Despise the country. Don't take me there. Okay, they have spiders. I don't do that. Oh, I'm too much of an uptown girl. Um, no, no disrespect to anyone who likes that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, it, it, you're right, Lisa. Like, I mean, well, I'm in here. Obviously, doesn't that demonstrate effort? And, and, and honestly, but but you know, we can step back from all that and say, guy, it's not your business. It's really not. Yeah. And it's not your place to give yeah. me advice because I didn't solicit it, and you don't know my journey. But what is interesting to me is that you talked about at the end when you confronted him about it, right? Mm-hmm. He started to feel emotional because of something else that he had gone through, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if he would have led with his own vulnerability of why he even felt like he could approach, approach you with you. this topic, mm-hmm. the whole outcome of this situation would have been completely different, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, the way he approached it was as condescending and not like, hey, I've been there, like, this is what I used or, you know, this is what I'm going through. And I feel like this this topic of vulnerability is really important because humans, period, we're a lot more alike than we think, oh, than yeah. we give ourselves I, credit I for, you know? So if he would have led with his vulnerable moment, and, and I think if with any of us, if we lead with, with what drives us and not, our you judgments know. Yeah, people. not our judgments. It goes farther. And to that point, once you showed your vulnerability, then he was able to, to be vulnerable. Yeah. But if he had led with his vulnerability, would that also have given you permission to be vulnerable? Right? Yeah. It, could have been, it could have gone differently. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. the power of vulnerability is that it allows us to relate to each other in yeah. a much more compelling way and to recognize our togetherness more than our difference. Yep. So wherever you are in your journey and whatever the things are that maybe you felt ashamed about that have you making a habit change, don't let that stop you from moving forward. Don't stop starting. Don't stop starting. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Please connect with us on social media at thejealousvegan.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please go to thejealousvegan.com and sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content in support of your plant-based journey. And remember, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress.